Hi, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, author of Fuck Like a Goddess, creator of Radical Awakenings, transformational coach, and student of life. I'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Okay, so... I had my dear friend, Rebecca Shepard on the podcast. And one thing that she said, I've been ruminating on for a hot minute here. She started talking about how we create secure attachment in friendships. Now, perhaps you've heard of attachment styles. I'm not going to go into all of that. I feel like pop psychology and meme psychology and (laughs) internet psychology has probably taught a lot of people about attachment styles. Potentially, um, at varying levels of depth, I would recommend if you want to go deeper, I would recommend the work of Stan Tacken. Um, I'm not going to go into explaining all of that work today, but I do want to talk about what does it mean to create secure attachments with friendship in friendship and why we get into the same type of attachment patterns that we get into with partners, with friends and Anyway, the book that Stan Tatkin wrote is called Your Brain on Love, which I really appreciate. It's called The Neurobiology of Healthy Relationships. And so there's a little bit less, this podcast today is a little bit less focused on the spiritual side, but a little bit more focused on the psychological side, which I am a student of both. And um, I've studied in the spirituality space way longer. And I've studied in the psychology space only in the last few years with a certain level of depth. Um, Though I have been attending my own therapy off and on since I was 21. So let's talk about secure attachment and friendship. Okay, what does it mean to create secure friendships? And why would that even be something that we would contemplate and consider? And something that Rebecca said that really kind of asked me a lot of deep questions. She said, if you aren't rupturing and repairing within friendships, you aren't creating trust, security, or real intimacy. Now, she is a licensed psychotherapist. She studied at the California Institute of Integral Studies. She's done all kinds of different trainings around attachment theory, psychedelics, trauma healing, all kinds of things. So I started thinking about how different friendships mimic different attachment patterns um, that maybe I've had with a parent or both parents or other partners in the past, and how I likely mimic the attachment bond that some of my friends have had with their family members, parents, or former partners. And I think if we look at this more from a spiritual standpoint, we have these sacred wounds Um, or like soul lessons or soul curriculums, right? Some people don't like the word wound. Um, I kind of like the drama inherent, just like I like some of the drama like in the Catholic church, but I don't like love the whole Catholic church, but I love some of the drama. The word wound has a little bit of inherent drama. So if you don't like it, that's cool. You could say some of your soul curriculum or soul lessons. So some of your soul lessons may be around healing deep, um, attachment uh, patterns or wounds, um, abandonment wounds, neglect, uh, avoidance, dissociation, they may relate into your karma. So there is a place here, which I believe 
as an intersection point between the spiritual and the psychological. Because the spiritual is happening like as a current underneath and the psychological then becomes something that manifests in the mind and then manifests in patterns of behavior and patterns of relating. And so I was thinking about, I was looking, I was on the plane and I was going to New York for a night with my partner for a date, which is so lux, loved it. And I was going through my phone and I was like, God, there's some friends that I haven't texted back who like texted me a month ago. And I want to talk about why. (laughs) And then there are some friends that haven't texted me back. And there's different reasons for this. There's the attachment pattern reason, the attachment style reason. And then there is the, the reason also, which I need to know the name of this theorist, which I'll find it eventually, or you find it and text it to me, DM it. Don't text it to me. I might not text you back. (laughs) DM it to me. I still might not DM you back. Um, But there is a theorist who wrote about relationships and connection who said, basically, we have one primary person, like an attachment, primary attachment bond. And then outside of that, we have five in like a circle outside of that. And then the circle outside of that is 15. The circle outside of that. Now, I I think it goes from 15 to 50, but Um, I didn't look it up before I came on here to riff. So, and then outside of that, I think is like 150. Anyway, you get the point and don't, don't take the numbers at face value. So there is this, there is like, there's like a competing factor also to why and how we show up to friendships. Because if essentially we're only wired to have a certain amount of deep connections, at a certain point, I think we just kind of fuzz out. Like we sort of max out. We can't, we can't write another text back. It just, it doesn't work anymore unless you like take drugs or something, which I've never taken Adderall or something, but I can imagine somebody just like sitting on their phone, freaking high out of their mind, texting everyone back and forth. The problem is when I text people back, especially those who I haven't texted back in weeks, then they text me right back. And I'm like, wait a minute here. I just took two weeks to text you back. And now you just texted me back immediately. Now I have to text you back again. And it's just like a never ending cycle. So there are different factors here, right? We have these different kind of attachment styles. And then there are these factors about what we can and can't do and what we have and don't have capacity for in our lives. And I think this is a larger question that we're dealing with nowadays. Like, I don't have the mental and the the psychological capacity to interface with 20 friends in my texts and, you know, 15 people in my emails and you know, 10 clients and then all the women in my groups. Like, I, I can't do it. And so I hire support. I have amazing support that helps me organize my work life. But I was telling my partner on the plane, I was like, I wish there was a way to just like prioritize my top 15 people in my phone and to also be honest with the other people and say, you know, I think you're awesome. I just want to let you know my top 15 are full. And Ruby Warrington, I want to credit Ruby Warrington for she and I have talked about this um, extensively, but to go okay, I have my top, I have my 15 top slots filled. It's nothing personal. I just don't have the capacity. If, and this is scientifically speaking, if I bump you up on the ladder, I have to bump someone out. 
And so there's been certain times, like let's say my one of my best friends, Moon, was in a three-month retreat. During that time, I had a slot on my top five <laughs> that was open. But then she came back and she's priority. She's got priority seating. And it may sound silly, but there's an honesty here that I'm craving in my friendships and I'm craving in general, which is just like, you're super fucking cool. And um, also like my top space of deep friendship are full. I have space right now for, um, you know, like let's say a yoga or a workout fitness buddy, but I don't have friend, you know, space for that much more at this moment. It may change. Um, and so allowing there to be different tiers of intimacy, not everybody has to be the same depth. Not everybody has to be able to connect with you in the same way. But are we having these conversations, honestly, like, are we actually saying to people, hey, I'd like to get to know you. Maybe you get to know each other, you, you like each other, and then saying, here's what I have space for. I had a friend when I moved here to Boulder, a new, a woman I met who's really fucking fabulous. And she said to me, she said, I am pretty booked on friendship. I have a lot of deep female friendships. I'm actually a part of a community of women. We travel together. We do all this stuff together. However, something about you feels extraordinary and I'd like to get to know you. And I don't say this to many people. And, you know, obviously that felt really flattering in a way to receive that kind of um, witnessing from a woman who seems so fabulous. Um, and I appreciated her honesty and transparency. She wasn't fucking around. She was just like, this is what's up. She also has been very clear if, let's say, I didn't show up, right, um, or didn't call back. She's been really clear. Hey, I've tried to call you three times and you haven't answered. And I'm like, thank you. So that level of um, straightforwardness, honesty, transparency, I wish we saw each other more than we did because we both travel a lot, And uh, but there's there's like a real deep sense of trust when we do see each other because there's nothing hidden there. Um, so there's that, that, there's that piece. And then there's the other piece, which is the more spiritual slash psychological, where we attract in dirt, certain friendships that help us heal certain wounds. And some of these can be our attachment wounds. And let's say I traditionally have more of an abandonment wound and I have more of an anxious attachment that arises, um, in certain relationships, but in other relationships, like I said, where I'm not texting someone back for a few weeks, I'm playing the part likely of, of a more avoidant, which is a particular style of languaging and Stan Tatkin's languaging who, who wrote the book that I just mentioned, he uses the words Island and wave, which are definitely feel a little bit more forgiving than anxious and avoidant. But it's, but so we can play different characters. So it's not like, you know, sometimes we were like, I'm a Pisces. Like, no, I'm not just a Pisces. I'm a Pisces. Uh, that Pisces in my sun, my moon, my emotions, subconscious is Aquarius. My rising, my personality is Gemini. You know, so it's, there is really, we love to put ourselves into boxes, but there's really no one set box in a sense. It's like, I'm not just anxious. I'm not just avoided. Um, with some people who maybe feel a little bit more graspy of my energy, um, feel a little bit more um, overwhelming to my nervous system, I may play the part of more avoidant. I may need to be more boundaryed. Um, 
And there's a difference between being boundaryed and being avoidant, of course. Um, and then there may be friendships where people maybe think I'm being avoidant, but I'm actually just busy, but perhaps I haven't delineated. Hey, I just want you to know I'm pretty booked up at this moment. My, I have so many great friends around. I mean, God, but you really sound like an asshole saying that, don't you? <laughs> I have so many great friends. You're awesome, but you didn't make it into the top 15. I mean, it's kind of, it feels a little socially fucked up to say that. However, would you rather someone not text you back for two weeks or a month or say to you, uh, I love you so much. You're fucking rad. My texts are super full right now. Um, and I have a little less space, but it doesn't mean I don't love you as less or something like that. I don't know. I probably just said it in like a much too saccharine way. So if you have a way of saying it, that feels, um, really clear and straightforward and juicy and beautiful, please send it to me because I obviously am not an expert in this topic. I am just more of a curious human. Um, And so what's interesting is also in any of these friendships, everyone has needs. So you're tracking the needs probably of your family. You're tracking the needs of your partner. If you have one, your primary partner, you're tracking the needs of um, your best friends, possibly roommates, possibly pets. So as a human, you are now tracking so many needs. Of course, you cannot just keep adding to the pile of friends whose needs you have to track, or you show up in friendship and you don't know, you don't know each other. You don't know what each person needs. There is a, a lack of true intimacy there. Um, and for, or, or you try to meet everybody's needs all the time. This is one of my shadows. I'm like trying to like, this person friend needs me, this friend needs me. So I'm sending them all voice notes. I'm taking care of everybody. And then I get fucking resentful and spread thin. And I'm, I'm kind of like, fuck you. I've given you all I got, sister. Um, now I'm not going to talk to you for a while. <laughs> uh, that's total shadow. I take full responsibility for that, for not having a clearer boundary at the get-go of a friendship or a partnership or a relationship. And then kind of um, pulling back or hiding away. It's like a pattern I've really been working on. It's much, it's a great practice to say early on, Hey, I'm like so appreciative of your communication, but I honestly don't have the bandwidth right now. Again, how do you say that in a loving kind way that doesn't close someone's heart off, that doesn't shut them down and give them a rejection wound? Um, but I suppose it's interesting question to ask yourself, where do you fall on that spectrum? Are you the one who's like trying to tend to 50 friends needs all the time and track everybody, but you're constantly disappointing yourself and others because there's no way in hell you could be tracking all those people's needs and caring for all their hearts. Or are you one of the ones I have one of my best friends is one of these. I've had to accept it who just never texts anyone back <laughs> rarely, rarely, rarely. <laughs> And just doesn't give a fuck. And it's just like, I trust my friends will keep showing up. They'll keep coming forward. And so I'm not going to stress myself out listening to everyone's voice notes. And he does not apologize. He does not say, I'm so sorry I didn't get to your voice note. I love you. He doesn't, um, yeah, he doesn't apologize for that. And I really feel liberated by that, to be honest. 
But where do you fall on that spectrum? You know, do you feel dis like you just, you can disconnect and not give a fuck about trying to track and care for everybody's needs? Or are you the over-care or over-giver? Hi, everybody. Quick little interlude here. So I wanted to tell you what my favorite things are to put in my morning smoothies or morning coffee, chai, mate, cacao, depending on my mood. So I've been using uh, this incredible rose powder from Anima Mundi, which I love connecting to the spirit of the rose. There is this beautiful, deep, powerful feminine essence that I feel in the spirit of the rose. And so putting it, actually ingesting it feels so incredible so that I can become um, less human and more rose. That's part of one of my life goals. Um, But I also use uh, from Anima Mundi Herbals, their happiness tincture and the energy tincture, which have lots of good things and they actually taste good, which is very important to me. And they also have just come up with some incredible rose body oils and face oils. And there's a rose face mask, which is beautiful and gorgeous. So I just highly recommend anything that comes from a really ethically sourced place, a female owner. They have incredible information on their website and their newsletter that helps you create ritual with the products, which I think is just super helpful and really beautiful. And the vibe is on point. And that's what's so important to me as I am a consumer in this world today. It's, it's, is this product in integrity? Can I feel uh, the heart of it? And I really can with Anima Mundi. So if you want to try any of their products, use the discount code Alexandra15 and let me know what you think. All right, you guys, back to the podcast. Now, Let's ask the question in friend, which ones of your friendships do you feel are balanced where you guys have a secure attachment, a secure connection where you've ruptured and repaired. So you felt you have gone through the, the painful, scary moment of going, I need to tell this person that they upset me or that my feelings are hurt. And I'm going to trust that this is going to deepen our friendship and not end it. So take an inventory, maybe write this down. Like which ones of your friends have you had the hard conversations with? Have you had to sort of like, you know, risk and take a vulnerable risk and have one of those moments of either, you know, small rupture where it's just like a misunderstanding or perhaps a big rupture where you don't talk for months or weeks or a year, but you've still come back around. So those friendships are, as Rebecca said, those are the ones that are really like they're, they, they hold a weight in your heart space um, because you know that there's no fragility there and there's honesty there and there's a trust, there's a relief that comes in, in terms of if, if in intimacy we seek to be with people who we feel seen by, who we can be real with, who we don't have to posture, right? That feeling of like, we can cozy on the couch and like, just have a great time. Um, If we all want that, then what happens after you have a a cry with a friend and you're like, oh my gosh, she she drove me crazy. You drove me crazy. And you repair. It's like, oh, this person still loves me after we had this messy moment. I can be even more myself with this person. There are no posturing. There's no niceties. There's no pleasantries needed. 
So that's almost like a liberation outside of the construct of social niceties of a friendship into a liberated friendship where you can just be yourself. So I've had some of my best friendships have started with tumultuous, big personalities clashing. And one of my friends, I remember us sitting in Union Square in New York and me being like, hey, you and I are in this pattern. I may have mentioned this before. Um, You and I are in this pattern where it's like, totally this anxious avoidant and I'm trying to be secure and I'm trying to respond as a secure person. And so if you show up late or don't call me back for days, I'm trying to show up secure and go, Hey, you know, I haven't heard from you. It's hard not to hear from you after I called. Um, how are you doing? Or, if you know, that person would show up late. I'd be like, Hey, it's really hard to not hear from you and not to hear for you to let me know that you're going to be late. So I remember at the time trying so hard to not show up anxious, but to show up secure and to show up like, Hey, I'm not needy in this moment. I'm just holding to my commitment of showing up at a certain time. And I remember that friend being like, me being like, hey, let's just meet and have a coffee and talk about it. And him being like, uh, how do I know whether this is worth me putting this time and effort in to have this processing conversation? And I said, great question. You don't. You have to choose. If this happens every fucking week, yeah, don't be in this friendship. I don't want to process that much. But if we can have a real heart-to-heart, honest conversation and then repair and be friends, then why wouldn't we, you know? And that was a beautiful lesson for both of us. Um, in those moments, I often, in moments of rapture, I go into like a caretakery kind of a space where I have this like very clear, um, kind of my, my therapist call it like diplomat part of me that is like, okay, so that's how you're feeling. This is how I'm feeling. I like to also say it's my Aquarius moon that I can detach and have an overview of the scene and I don't get stuck in the gunk. Not always. Um, but what that does is it makes me sort of overmanage and overfunction around ruptures with friends sometimes because, um, I'm sort of trying to move the energy outside of like the deep chasm of rapture into a repair. And I have the capacity to move quite quickly. Um, and some friends don't, and some friends would rather process a lot more. And I'm already like, I'm moving on and let's just repair. Um, I actually love having moments of realness come forward. Um, though they can feel so intense to me, I just always know there's something really magical on the other side. Maybe it's my Mars and Scorpio that there's like always a desire to sort of transform, to move and forward in the space of transformation. So how do we, how do we consider in our lives? Am I a secure friend? Am I a secure friend? Do I show up secure to ruptures? Do I avoid ruptures? If there's a misunderstanding, do I go avoidant? Um, do I become insecure or anxious or disorganized or do, do I, am I more of an Island that I need to kind of go process alone? Am I more of a wave? Um, 
where I'm kind of bubbling forward with a lot of energy. And you can do your own research to read a little bit more about the psychological there. But likely if you're listening to this podcast, you have some sort of understanding um, of attachment and intimacy and friendship. And you can ask yourself, what kind of friend do you want to be? How do you want to hold friendship? Do you want to just be straightforward with friends whose texts are sitting in your phone? Hey, I'm not able to really fully be present with this text right now. Um, things are quite busy in my life. I love you. I'm here. Let me know if you come into town or whatever. Like, do we want to be that clear or do we want to be sort of circling in the patterns that we already inhabit? Do we want to give our patterns, excuses to come out in every area of our life. Can you use friendships to heal your attachment patterning so that when you show up with your romantic partner, you've been practicing so fucking much. I did that a ton before I met my partner. I was like, oh shit, I'm going to practice my secure attachment with all my friends and I'm going to notice and I'm going to use each friendship to really work. Um, but not fake it. You can't fake that you're secure. You can't fake if you're freaking out and you're triggered and you're, you're, you know, either wanting to avoid or you're like, what did I do? Is everything okay? Can we talk? If you're more in that anxious pattern, you can't fake this. Oh, I'm fine. I'm just secure. Like that does not work either. So there, and, and you have to trust that whatever's coming forward, even if it's a little bit of a vulnerable anxiety, that it's going to be, it's going to lead the friendship somewhere and it's going to open the moment. Um, not to say act from that place, but don't deny it. Don't put a bandaid, don't put a secure smile over an attached vibe. Your shit going to stink regardless. So <laughs> You have to really be honest about that. Wow. Okay. My abandonment wound is rising right now because I didn't get invited to this thing and I'm going to take full responsibility for that. It's not your responsibility friend that didn't invite me to the thing, but I just want you to know that I feel left out. It's not your problem. And maybe I, I take over responsibility. That's one of my other pitfalls. Um, Maybe sometimes it's okay to let somebody just to go, yeah, it really hurt my feelings and not have to sort of get them off the hook for feeling guilty. Sometimes I do that. I want to make sure no one's feeling guilty. No one's feeling ashamed. I'm not causing harm. Uh, but there's a middle ground as well, for sure there. The thing, another one thing I want to say as we close up this podcast here is that once I've ruptured and repaired a few, had a few good biggies with people those are the people that I call when I need a friend. That's the, the level of trust, the level of honesty. And some of those people, I'm not going to lie, I've like not liked them at times. Some of these friends, some of them are some of my best friends. There have been periods of time where I was like, I don't really like you, like you, who you are right now. I didn't say that to their faces, but I stayed with it. And I got through that moment of whatever it was that they were doing that was triggering me so much. And then there was some trust that was created after those kind of rocky roads. If we stuck it out, you know, some friends fall away in those moments, but the ones that we made it through are the ones that when I'm down and out, I can call. They're the ones that I'm like, yeah, just come show up at my house. Um, 
And that's such a good feeling. It's such a good feeling. I, I can't even describe it. It feels like home. It just feels like home to have those friends where there is no posturing. There is no obligation, no expectation. You can show up in your sweats. You can cry in their lap. You know, you can be naked in the bathroom or whatever. Um, not all of them. <laughs> but that there's just just open-heartedness. Um, and then of course, not everyone's going to be that. So I just want to make sure I'm not, I'm not advocating that everyone, that's kind of your inner circle of like five friends to 15 friends. Those top five are the ones, uh, you know, not to make it hierarchical, but let's not be scared of that. But those are the ones that I'm saying have had the most rupture repair. Maybe most of the ones in my inner circle I've known between seven and 20 years. So it's like, it's not, a, it's not like they're just like n new people. Like it's taken time. I mean, I think about my friendship with Ruby and our collaboration. And I mean, if, if for the first few years we were just collaborators and we were so different and I was like, we're so different. And now we're in the inner circle of each other as family. And it's taken a lot of time and a lot of deep ruptures. I mean, there were some ruptures where we didn't know if we'd make it out the other side. Um, and so it's, it's not to say, don't, don't try to push, uh, new friends. Maybe you've only known someone six months or a year and then you're like, Hey, we need to have a rupture to create trust and intimacy. But it's just knowing that when that moment arises, which it inevitably will to allow it, to not be afraid of it and to tend to those new friendships with love and care, um, and then the, the ones, the 50 or whatever that you're, you know, less intimate with finding a languaging with them, because what if they think you're one of their top 15 and you're not, you know what I mean? So there's like a bit of a languaging of, um, what you're available for that I think would be helpful for all of us. So we can let each other off the hook from having to text each other back incessantly, which then only contributes to our attachment wounding, right? Like we just get to continually perpetuate this cycle where it's like, if I'm trying to make, say a friend part of my top five, but she's like secretly like, shit, I don't have room for Alexandra in my top five. I love her, but like I've got all these other women in my top five. And I'm sitting here like kind of with my ambition of like this new friend in my top five, could she be honest with me and say, oh, I think you're fucking awesome. And just want to let you know, I've got some big personalities who are in my close inner circle who require a lot of tending. I still really want to get to know you. And here's what I'm available for. I'm available for ABC. Yoga once a week. A dinner date every two weeks. Um, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Some of the ones who are, who are my closey close ones who don't live in the same, no one lives, none of my besties live in Boulder because I just moved here. I have to do calls on the calendar with them and, or I have to go visit them or they have to visit me twice a year. Um, twice a year, I feel like is the magic number less than that. I just don't think that the friendship continues to get tended. Um, I had one friend that I only saw once last year and I, and she's a friend of 20 years and it hurt my heart. Um, no, I think two, but one of them, we stay in contact on socials a lot. So that was different, but it's, it's really asking yourself these questions. And I, and it's, 
I think depending if you're married and you have children, you may go, well, my social life is a little different. It's on the back burner. Totally fine. You may only have room for the five or you may only have room for 15 that are in the sort of, you know, less intimate space, but still tending those. Cause guess what? You and your husband or you and your partner or you and your wife are going to fight and you're going to have times where you need your friends. And I think we all saw our parents to some degree or another potentially become to sort of, uh, in the nuclear family. And I think we are a generation, I'm speaking broadly here, who value community and we value our friendships that are like family. And so that means we have to learn how to tend them and not be sort of just kind of all over the motherfucking place, like leaking our energy in a hundred different relationships and not having anyone to call when you and your partner are in a huge rupture and you feel like your life is falling apart. Like, I'm not saying that's why we have these deep friendships, but it is a reason. I mean, I had a friend recently who I just got on a plane to go be with them because they're going through something and I would do it in a heartbeat for any of my top people and they would do it for me. And so, but that takes trust and many years of love. And, um, yeah, and, and I say that and it could be, it could be different for other people. You may be like, nah, I met my soulmate friend and we dropped into that type of intimacy in six months. Like that could be possible, but there is something that happens in, with time. There's a level of trust that happens with time. And there's some friends that we've known for a long time that we sort of outgrow spiritually, but we still love them. Sometimes our top five does shift. Sometimes one of those people, you know, gets married, goes, moves away and there is space. So it's not, there's no rigidity here. And I'm just also philosophizing with you and contemplating, which I love that that was, came from that conversation with Rebecca and really asking myself, am I you know, I've asked myself this before, but like where in friendships am I creating a beautiful, secure attachment for people where they know they can count on me um, in a beautiful reciprocal way, but I'm not tracking too many people's needs. And I'm not also just like the loyal friend who's going to show up all the time. Like I want it back also. So it's complex. Intimacy is complex. It's really complex and it's beautiful and it's complex. Okay. Let me know what you think of this conversation. What came up for you? Where do you fall in the spectrum? Is this something you've already been thinking about? How does it relate to your overall spiritual growth and journey in the world? Um, you may be like, I don't have five friends. I only have one. That's fine. You may not have any right now. That's fine too. Sometimes we do get a shakedown where we have to build up from scratch and all of it is okay. There's really no right or wrong. I'm just pondering and um, pontificating here with you, my beloved community of mutual uh, other seekers and, and mystical hearts and people on the path of trying to create more love and consciousness and awareness in this life, get more real, get more honest with each other. All right, my loves, I will see you again soon. Lots of love. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. 
please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all of that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.